Hi, I'm Mike Sklenz, and this is Nintendo World Report's Connectivity Podcast, Episode 157, The Stupid Hammer Ruined It. Uh, we got two segments for you this week, but they're both what we've been playing. Uh, first up, Alex C. and Alex O. are joined by John, and they talk about a bunch of games they've been playing. And after that, Neil and Zach talk about a bunch of games they've been playing. So, we've been playing a lot of games. Enjoy the episode. everybody and welcome to a brand new segment of Nintendo World Report Connectivity. I am your host Alexander Kalafi and joining me for a brand new edition of what we have been playing, Alex Osborne. Hey guys. And Jonathan Rairden. Am I pronouncing that right? You are, but it's just John. You failed in an interesting way. So your birth name is not Jonathan. It was literally... Okay, perfect. (laughs) And the interesting thing about both of these new crew members is that they are, in fact, crew members. And although Alex joined us on our Nintendo Direct uh, live podcast on video last week, which you can find on our Nintendo World Report TV channel, this is both of their first times on an audio connectivity podcast, and hopefully not the last. So, before we begin, before we say what we've been playing, what we've been talking about... I want to hear a little bit about you. Alex, what is your role on staff, and what do you do for us? Um, so I am basically one of the news guys. So um, that's kind of my thing anyway. Um, I'm kind of an interesting gamer in that I spend probably more time researching the industry and um, and just kind of keeping up to date on all the latest games rather than actually playing them. I get... I get more enjoyment out of, uh, you know, going combing through interviews and and press releases than and playing a lot of games. So I'm 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 kind of a an anomaly in that sense, but that's kind of my way. And we should note that. Uh, so you're more into the cult of industry. So you're more into the whole, not necessarily NeoGAF, but that general gaming industry scene. Totally. And we should also note that you are on another website, Game Revolution. Am I saying that right? That's correct. That's my uh, full-time gig. Okay. And you do that, and that's completely multi-platform. That's, yep, we cover everything over there. Okay, that's good. So we, we got a balance. Yeah. But and Nintendo, John, Nintendo mm-hmm. does hold a special place in my heart, though. I can tell because before you were on staff here, nearly every conversation we had ever had on Twitter was about Nintendo stuff. So there you go. John, you have a very specialized role on staff. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I was brought on uh, when uh, Neil and the guys were starting up the Nintendo World Report TV YouTube channel. Uh, and I was just brought on having some experience doing YouTube to just create videos. Um, and of course, I also help out with news and reviews and stuff. But my main focus is that YouTube channel. Right. It's one thing you'll learn as you get into staff here is that everyone starts off with some kind of specialty. Like you, Alex, when I started back in 2012, I was primarily news, primarily making sure we get content out. But as we went on, we all found our specialties. I got into previews, and then I got into editorials, and I got into podcasts. And then, John, you you found your specialty early, but you'll probably find other stuff. And then, Alex... I'm sure you'll find other stuff to call your own. You seem like the kind of guy who will get into industry analysis stuff. Absolutely. You know me too well already. That's true, but but the thing is, you learn a lot about someone just by hearing them talk about video games for 45 minutes. As we will do right now! So the way 
what we've been playing works is, as many of our listeners know, we talk about the video games we've been playing. And to show these fine gentlemen how it's done, I will start. I have not been playing a Nintendo game this week. Instead, I have been playing a game that many people thought was going to come to a Nintendo system, but ultimately did not. And the game I am talking about is Call of Duty Advanced Warfare on the PlayStation 4. Some of you who are not into Call of Duty may say, Hey man, it's just another Call of Duty game, and you would be absolutely right. However, this Call of Duty is interesting in that it is the first one developed by Sledgehammer Games. Normally, Call of Duty runs on a two-year cycle. Each Call of Duty game takes two years to make. And the studios, it alternates between our Treyarch and um, Infinity Ward. So the Modern Warfare games, Modern Warfare 1, Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 3, those are all made by Infinity Ward. On the games that came between those, uh, Call of Duty World at War, Call of Duty Black Ops, Call of Duty Black Ops 2, those were made by Treyarch. And that's why every single year you play a Call of Duty, uh, if you do play Call of Duty games, you'll notice that they change a little, and that's because there were two developers. Now there are three. This is Sledgehammer Games' first full foray at bat. And Sledgehammer Games made a pretty impressive debut, in my opinion. It is still a first-person shooter. It is still a game where you shoot guys with guns, and it is still Modern Warfare, generally. Except now this time, there are exosuits, which are basically double jumping mechanics. You can jump over cars and stuff, you can do some hover stuff, you can hover across gaps, you have shields, you have weapons that... Uh, I wouldn't say they're full-on Halo weapons, but they're definitely more modernized guns, like the AKs have special sights that can track enemies, there's heat-seeking things, there are grenades that will actually actively search people out. And the difference between this Call of Duty versus other Call of Duties is that now the game is much more mobile. And it's the kind of mobility you may be familiar with if you have played Titanfall, which is on Xbox One, Xbox 360, and PC, or you have played, uh, I think, Destiny, which has its own little... It has its double jump, it has its hover, and it has all this other stuff. So that is what Call of Duty does. The other big thing, the only thing I will add is that the story mode has Kevin Spacey, and the story mode is really good this time around because it focuses on America 50 years from now, and it develops a really cool, realistic portrayal of what the modern world will look like. For instance, you got things like New Baghdad, which is like the the Baghdad of the past, but uh, Kevin Spacey's super militaristic company of... PMCs came in and then turned that shit around in five years and basically made it the new the new New York City, and then it's got all these weapons, it's got all this modern uh, Metal Gear Rising type private military stuff, and then Kevin Spacey basically plays his character from House of Cards. So good old Frank it's Underwood, pretty dope. Good old Frank Underwood. I am excited for season three. Alex, what were you saying? Um, well, I just was curious because I know everyone sort of they approach Call of Duty in different ways. Like for me, um, I haven't played. All of them, it's kind of tough to keep up with them every single year, but I'm the kind of guy who has to just dive into the single player and blow through that before I even touch the multiplayer. Are you similar in that way, or are you straight to multiplayer? I actually play Call of Duty games for the single player primarily. Okay. And it's a lot of people go, oh, it's a shitty single player. The single player in Call of Duty has been pretty good for the last few years. I've played uh, Black Ops 2, Ghosts, and now this is my third Call of Duty game. Ghosts was easily the worst one of all. But these games do a great job of being, like, super patriotic, destroying America, and then making you be part of the military crew that has to go and take out the terrorist of the year, and 
basically go America Ura, blowing shit up, going in vehicles, saving the world on behalf of red, white, and blue. And that that's the thing that just gets my testosterone going in every single Call of mm. Duty game. It's ridiculous. It's not something you should normally take seriously. But if you have any affinity for first-person shooters and you don't care about the multiplayer, seriously rent one of these games. Because if you love America, and I do love America, <laughs> these games are fucking fantastic for uh, getting your patriotism on. Yeah, and they're a known quantity. You know that they're going to work. They're going to play. You know, it's it's almost comforting to, to get a new one each year. Um, as redundant as they kind of tend to be because of the annualized structure, there's still something... Just I don't know. Fun. It's a about it. It's a guilty pleasure. Exactly. I think depending on the situation, it can be a guilty pleasure. My issue with uh, Call of Duty is a guilty pleasure. It's more that I would describe the game as a very well whittled product. The game basically they they took a knife to it every single year and they tightened it up little by little. Obviously, having multiple developers fucks with that a little bit, but. They ended up making it so every year is consistently good, even if it's the same kind of good, even if sometimes it can be a little boring and samey in some places. Yeah. I, it's um, still a heavily polished product. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious. I haven't I haven't touched Advanced Warfare yet. Um, I'm not sure if I will, but um, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. So you said you got your start with Black Ops 2, so you never played Modern Warfare? Like. Correct. Well, okay. I had played Modern Warfare 2 specifically because of that airport mission, No okay. Russian, which was, in all honesty, kind of an incredible mission. Just conceptually, the fact that they designed that and the way they designed it, where uh, it's if you, Alex, you know what No Russian is, right? Absolutely, yep. Where you were an American undercover guy. I think he was American. Either way, he was an undercover soldier. Mm hmm. And you're going with this Russian crew, I think. I think they're Russian. They're, they're the terrorist gang. Yep. And they're going in to take out an airport, basically shoot it up. And it's an extremely graphic mission because you're walking through the airport and out of nowhere they pull out the guns. And you just see civilians going down left and right, them shooting them up, them taking this airport and tearing it apart in a terrifying way only post 9-11 America and Americans can understand. And the brilliant thing about this mission is that if you want, you don't have to shoot a single civilian. You don't have to do any terrorist stuff at all. You have to shoot the cops towards the end of the mission, but you can get by on that entire mission just by watching the massacre unfold. But if you want to, if you want to be that fucked up guy, you can join in and you can kill plenty of civilians. And that mission was pretty crazy. It, but Black Ops 2 was my first experience, and Black Ops 2 was a really good game to start out on because the campaign was extremely good, the multiplayer was extremely good, and I thought it was Treyarch at their best. Hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. John, what is your experience with Call of Duty games? Um, I kind of play them, I tend to do like every other year. Um, mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, I definitely do play them more for the story. Um, just, I mean, like I said, as a guilty pleasure, like I don't, to me, I, I describe them to my wife as being sort of like a chick flick where nobody thinks that Call of Duty is, you know, the greatest game ever, but we all sort of enjoy it. Uh, and it's just something that is just enjoyable, really, no matter what time it is. It's like you know a I mean? summer blockbuster Michael exactly. Bay sort of production. Just big explosions, oh. just for fun. You know, not a lot of artistic uh, deep value. 
it's but a great still fun. They're they're great like roller coaster rides. Exactly, yeah. Um that's but, actually the ideal way to describe it. The like ride. Modern yeah. Warfare, the the first Modern Warfare, Call of Duty 4 was was um so groundbreaking in in what it did and really kind of set that that bar for sort of the cinematic blockbuster first person shooter. Um and so at the time, like playing that, it was like, wow, this is this is something new. This is something special. Um, and it's it's so funny how now when we look at that formula, it, because it's been used and trotted over so much now through. I mean, not even just because of the franchise being annualized, but because of so many other um, developers and publishers trying to. Um, kind of cash in on that formula. Um, it just—it's not as special as it once was. But that's just the way this uh, industry works. It's kind of amazing to just think about all of these games that we see as tired and played out and uh, not that special, and just think about where they were originally. Right. Because the original Call of Duty Four, excuse me, is probably one of the most important games of the seventh generation. It might even be one of the top three or four most important hands down, just everything it did for the casual first person shooter genre. Right. The, the first Assassin's Creed. Do you remember how much that was hyped up before launch and then how they delivered on those promises in Assassin's Creed two? I mean, we look at the stuff that's happening with AC unity and we're talking about how shitty Ubisoft is being and all that stuff is well-deserved. But Assassin's Creed, even though there are 15 games in a series that's six years old, that's game, that series started pretty special. That series started with something magic. So every single time you see something played out like Madden, or uh, every time you see something played out like Call of Duty, remember that at the bare minimum, there was something serious and important that started that. Right, there's a reason those games are still around. Right. There's a reason the concept of an annualized franchise even exists. Okie dokie. That brought us through that. John, what have you been playing? All right, so I uh, I, act, I write for another small website called 8 Worlds News, and a game that I've been reviewing for that site uh, is called The Swapper on Wii U. Uh, it is a small eShop game made by two people. Um, it was originally released for PC and then later ported to the Sony systems and just, I think, this past week released on Wii U. Um, it is a science fiction puzzle game. Uh, you play as an astronaut who finds himself on a derelict space station, and all of the crew members are presumably dead or gone, and you gradually find out that the space station had been harvesting these rocks from the planet below that they had found out were actually living life forms. And uh, so... As you're moving through the environment, you're encountering these rocks, and you can kind of hear their thoughts. And through that, you sort of sort of start to put together what happened on the station. Um, and the main kind of key of the game is that you find this device called the Swapper device, which is essentially this gun flashlight combo thing that allows you to place up to four clones of yourself. So there can be five of your guy total on the screen. And the clones will do whatever you do, so move left, move right, jump, whatever. Um, but then the second function of this device is to let you swap into that body of the clone. And so the entire game is built around solving these puzzles by very strategically placing clones and swapping between them uh, to get to a final goal 
that only you can get to. Your clones can't use it. Um, so you have to be in the body at the end of the puzzle. Uh, so it's a lot of stuff of, you know, of putting a clone next to a switch uh, because you know that to place your next clone, you're going to have to walk a little bit to the right so that by the time you get there, that clone will now be standing on the switch. Um, and a lot of kind of thinking ahead of time style puzzles. And it was a it's a very, very interesting game that I, I can't really think of another game that does anything even similar to it. So you're saying that you can't think of another game that's an indie puzzle platformer with a unique art style? Uh, well, I can think of those, but not the quite that use these exact mechanics. Okay. Yeah, it does seem like, at the very least, it's not some shitty minimalistic indie thing. Like, oh, yeah. the game is detailed in a really special way. It's, and uh, then, you know. Yeah, I was, I, I found the art style to be really bizarre, and I couldn't quite place what it was, and so I went and looked it up, and it's, uh, it's entirely made of clay, which I thought was really cool. So they actually did animate it with with clay. They didn't even model it. They specifically used clay to animate this entire game. It's um, it's not necessarily an like your guy. Uh, each segment of his body is created out of clay, but then it's animated in you know like a flash style, like you would see like in South Park, um, but obviously okay. a lot smoother. Um, and then the the environments are made using like just a lot of parallax, so it's actually completely two D but it gives off this extremely three-dimensional vibe. Like, it took me a long time of looking at it to even realize that it wasn't actually 3D models. Was this game on PlayStation Plus? Um, I'm not... I believe so. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. coming to PlayStation Plus, I think. Okay. I, I just looked it up now. Yeah, I know it, it came out on all the Sony platforms uh, a couple months ago, like, just before the Wii U version. In January, the Swapper and PS4-exclusive Infamous First Light will be added to PS4's instant game collection. So if you have the PlayStation 4, or at the very least, if this is cross-buy, and I'm sure it is because it's an indie game, you'll be able to get this on Sony platforms, but it is available on Wii U, and you can get it on DDP. Would you say you would recommend the game so far? Oh, I uh, actually just finished it last night, and I would absolutely... It's it's one of the best indie games I've played on the eShop in a long time. How long is it? Uh, it took me uh, three nights. It was probably 12 hours long or so. I mean, it depends on how long the puzzles take you, because some of them are really hard. Mm. Sure. Okay, and then let me see if I have this on Steam, because I think I might... <laughs> It's it's like it's one of those things where I've downloaded so many humble bundles and bought so many cheap games from Steam sales sure. that if there's an indie game that's more than two years old, I probably have it on my Steam list. And you know what? I do own a copy of the Swapper. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I've I've heard that the the Wii U version is actually the best looking version besides the PC version. Um, apparently, I I guess I heard that maybe the PlayStation Four version looks a lot like the PlayStation Three version. But uh, but since it's all uh, 2D-based and not 3D, one of the things that the Wii U really has a good advantage on is when it comes to 2D games, it can do very, very high texture resolution. And since mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing that this game's graphics really rely on, uh, the Wii U version apparently is one of the best-looking versions. Do you know how much it is on eShop? Um, I am not sure. I had a review copy, so... Probably like 10 bucks, right? Yeah. 10, maybe yeah. 15 at most. And if it, if, even if it was 20 it would be worth the money. It, it sounds like it. All right, flawless. Alex, what have you been playing this week? Well, I decided to take a trip down memory lane after the announcement of Majora's Mask for 
3DS, and um, I just played the first few hours of um, Majora's Mask. Um, and oh man, do I love that game! Going back to it, even I, I think I think I might actually put it ahead of Ocarina. It might be my favorite Zelda game. Um, I I would agree with you. Yeah, it's oh, it's such it's such an amazing such an amazing game. Um, Alex, where do you land as far as sort of ranking the Zelda games? Is major are you a Majora's Mask lover? I was never a Zelda young- lover when I was younger. I was almost exclusively a Pokemon guy. Then I got into Animal Crossing. I played mostly Nintendo handhelds when I was younger. Okay. It was mostly after I got to high school, which was four or five years ago. Uh, actually, no, closer to seven or eight that I actually started getting into Zeldas. And I think the first one I beat and loved was, like, Minish Cap. And then I got into Zelda 1. And then I got into Link's Awakening when 3DS came out. I played Skyward Sword. I played Link Between Worlds. I didn't get into Link to the Past too much. It just it didn't float my boat, I guess. And then Ocarina of Time 3D, I played that for the first time on 3DS, and I loved the shit out of that game so much that I played it twice in a row, and I think I have like 52 hours in it right now. So if you're telling me that Majora's Mask is even better than Ocarina of Time, maybe, I cannot wait for the 3DS Mm. version. And in fact, before we continue with that, there was some stuff that came about during Famitsu where, uh, what's it called? Aonuma revealed some stuff about Majora's Mask 3D. For instance, in the original Majora's Mask, the difficulty balance assumed that players had experienced Ocarina of Time before, but for the remake, new players were also being considered. Aonuma explained to Famitsu, specifically speaking, parts that were conventions and weren't explained at all are changed, and challenges which you realize by repeating many times are made easier to understand. Rather than making the experience simpler, the changes in Majora's Mask 3D are intended to help stumped players with hints. The three-day cycle remains the same, and the system for following other people's actions aren't changed. There is, however, a boss battle that is seeing changes as a new element players will be able to fish at two places and then the other thing that he announced was that the playing on the new 3d 3ds the playing on the new 3ds is going to differ to some extent do any of these things excite you too uh absolutely because i'm i'm betting i know exactly which boss battle they are i'm gonna use the word fixing uh, okay there was there's a, a boss called georg uh who is an underwater boss and he is the glitchiest, worst designed boss in any Zelda game ever, and is the cause of great frustrations throughout my childhood. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it seems like what they're doing is they're basically unlost leveling it, where they're basically going to assume that you have not played Ocarina of Time before, which they should do, but it sounds like they might casualize it a little bit in the process. Are you worried about this, Alex? You As know, someone I- who's playing the game now? I'm not I'm not at all actually um just because like my experience especially Majora's Mask but also Ocarina of Time um back in the day I sat down with a one of those like Brady games guides um in order to fully understand exactly like even what I was getting into cuz there is there's a lot of hidden complexity and sort of just there's there's this level of like obtuseness to Majora's Mask, um, and I think it's definitely it's got a bit of roughness around the edges where I feel like that Nintendo extra kind of coat of paint, bit of polish, smoothing that they do with 
like everything um it will yeah it'll be i mean because basically it was like ocarina of time you know sold boatloads for them and they they have this engine and they gave you know anuma an opportunity to kind of step up to the zelda plate and take a swing and make something with this engine that's was creative and different for you know n64 before gamecube rolled out and it was it's almost feels like an experiment that went totally totally right but is a little bit you know it's got its quirks and for that i love it but i definitely think that you know um maybe taking newcomers um into account or just making it a bit more accessible is can only be a good thing yeah it's definitely i mean they only had a year to make this game so it definitely doesn't have the level of polish that most other zelda games have Right. Okay, yeah. Okay, and then, so I, I guess I should ask, Alex, are you seeing any big problems with this game as you're going back to it? I know you're saying you love the shit out of it, and it sounds like you do, but are you seeing any of this glitchy stuff? Are you seeing any of the bad business? You know, I I haven't run into anything yet. Um, but and I and I think maybe too, it's because it's sort of like putting on an old shoe or like, you know, it's like riding a bike. Like you haven't, you know, it's like, even though I haven't visited in a while, I just kind of like fall back into some muscle memory. So I'm just kind of going, going through the motions where I feel like if I was to hop in fresh, I might have felt a bit more lost without direction. Um, but I don't know. I think people are going to love this game. I'm really excited for everyone that missed out on it the first time. And I'm, I'm curious. So, you said, um, correct me if I'm wrong, that it's going to take advantage of the the hardware revision, the new 3DS? It didn't say how, but it made it sound like there's going to be ways in which the new 3DS version differs. And I hope that means that the game looks better. Me too. What were you going to add, Alex? Oh, no, that was just it. So I was just, I was just curious. Like, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to be seeing more games like this where it's like, better on new 3ds you know i'm uh, like as far as moving forward um or things that are exclusive it it just it interests me because i remember when majora's mask first came out it was like you, you got to make sure you have that expansion pack because it's it's doing crazy things that ocarina couldn't do so um you know i'm just i'm just really excited and i can't wait it's going to do some interesting things to the Zelda conversation, because when Ocarina of Time 3D came out, sure, it got talked about for a while, especially because it was the first big 3DS game that it came out on the system pretty much at all, but Ocarina of Time is already so much in the DNA of the gaming industry and so much eternally part of the conversation that it didn't really change too much, but Majora's Mask, even though it's a Zelda game is probably one of the dark horses of the series, not even in quality, just in the fact that even though it gets talked about, it gets talked about way less than most of the other Zelda games, and it, by a lot of people, isn't seen as the it's, best Zelda game. It's I'm not polarizing. Saying it's, it's a polarizing game, for sure. I mean, you rarely find someone who doesn't have, like, who's actually played it, that doesn't have some sort of strong opinion about it. Um, it... It has its fans and it really has its haters. Um, and I can actually understand both, you know, both um, sentiments toward that. Just because it is so different and it's 
it's hardly, you know, a traditional Zelda experience because I mean, Zelda is not even in this game, really. Um, so it's about Link and his adventure more, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very much so. So I'm wondering then if this whole thing is going to change the conversation. If they're going to make it easier for new players to get in, the hope is, since this is a remake, that they're going to give people uh, at least a reason to see this game in the same way a lot of people like you do, as one of the most, as one of the best games ever. And that's what it seems like Nintendo is doing with a lot of these remakes, or not not necessarily remakes in all cases. A Link Between Worlds felt like to me, as someone who has now played both games, a version of Link to the Past that works a lot faster and is a lot easier to get into specifically because it is a lot easier this game is going to be adding in new stuff to help new players ocarina of time 3d added in a lot of stuff to help new players the same thing with even the pokemon game that's coming out yeah. uh, omega ruby and alpha sapphire or even, to make this um, game. or even yeah i i feel like the changes that are being made to majora's mask um for this 3ds version are going to be a bit more along the lines of something like what we saw with Wind Waker HD with like the Swift sale and sure. stuff like that, where it's not like we're, we're not going to be getting like an entirely new game, but we're going to be getting these little tweaks and additions that just make it smoother. We're refined. getting an important 10 more percent. Refined, refined right, is perfect. Right yeah. Which I love, like, that's just like why I want to see more of these HD or whatever you want to call them remakes, mm -hmm. uh, re releases from Nintendo because they. Like you're getting, you're actually getting a product that's being redone. You're not getting like, you know, like the God of War HD collection where it's like, let's just bump up the resolution, you know? Right, um, those are ports. Right, they're, they're essentially just, yeah, ports that run in 720p or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, that's why I just, I would love to see Metroid Prime, you know, for Wii U. Mm -hmm. uh, like just, uh, like, you know, some of these games where they just, they, they go back and they, I don't know, I just, uh I so bad want some of these older experiences in with prettier visuals. Anything to add before we close this out, John? Uh, no. <laughs> All righty. So that'll be our segment for this week. Thank you for joining me, Alex. Your experience is clear. Well, thank you for you having me. The ability to keep up. I I'm trying to compliment you here. I'm doing the best I can, but you did a great job. Thank you, sir. And John, for someone who is doing his first podcast for the first time, you did a tremendous job too. You are pretty much a natural. Well, thank you very much. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at C-U-L-A-F-I-A, -A, that is Kulafi A. You can find Alex Osborne at at A-L-E-X-C. At, at O-S-B-O-R-N, Alex C. Osborne. And John, if you want to follow him on Twitter, you can find him at at J-T-S-K-N-I-G-H-T-92. J-T-S Night 92. That'll be all, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
everybody. It's uh, Neil Ronahan here, uh, director of NintendoWorldReport.com, and with me is my lovely associate editor, Zachary Miller. Aw, oh, gee. Yeah. Um, so we're here to talk about a couple games. This is pretty much like a, just a crazy-ass what-you've-been-playing episode. Uh, I don't know what order you'll be hearing this in, but <laughs> regardless or not, uh, I've been playing Super Smash Bros. on Wii U for almost a week at this point. Yeah, you have. Uh, we got the review copy in. I have a, I have a buttload of videos that are up on uh, Nintendo World Report's uh, YouTube channel, MBRTV. Um, I am saving myself for the game. I haven't watched any of them. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff focusing on music, because that's what people seem to dig, except for uh, a lot of people yelled at me, because when I was doing, like, I I just did a lot of kind of themed battles where it would be like, oh, here's like eight Mario characters playing on the Super Mario Galaxy stage, Mm. And and I turned down like the the sound effects and stuff so you could just hear the music which is you know some of its very lovely remixes but i didn't have uh the hammer or the final smashes turned off <laughs> so <laughs> there's a couple times where people get hammers and i got rightfully called out for that but i kind of <laughs> find it funny that i think one of them is just like the the youtube comments are just a bunch of people being like hey what fuck you <laughs> like i was jamming out to the song and then the stupid hammer ruined it <laughs> Um, so I'll probably turn those off when I, when I record more. Good music in that but, series, I say. But yeah, so talking about Super Smash Bros. on Wii U, um, it's a very, very good game. Is it the 3DS game, but better? Or the same, but more content? I mean, or what do you mean? It's like, it's it's such a weird thing, because like if this game came out first, I think my mind would be blown. Yeah. Like my, like, my brains would be all over the floor, and I would be head over heels in love with this game. But I think because the 3DS version came out and kind of, you know, you got to mess around with the characters. You got to see some of the, the modes in the game, some of the new the new wrinkles, that it's a little less exciting. That yeah. doesn't make it any less of a good game. And I think if you were to compare the 3DS and the Wii U versions, I think the Wii U version is pound for pound better. Oh, sure. I think it has sure. more stuff. I think it has more content. I think it's a more compelling package. Looks better. Um, yeah, it looks, it looks absolutely gorgeous. There's, I think the stages, there might be like a few more in the Wii U version, but then you can also create stages. That's nice. Um, and that's pretty cool. Uh, you have a lot more kind of room to move around than you did in Brawl's create yeah. stage mode. Um, which I never used player, ever. The A player stuff is, is so chaotic and so delightful. Is it like chaotic in an enjoyable way, or is it like, I don't know what the fuck's happening right now? Um, it's kind of a little bit the latter. I will be testing that to its full limits uh, this weekend. Nice. I'm having, I think right now the, the count is about eight or nine people over. Oh, damn. So we will be playing some A-player Smash, I'll have you know. With um, GameCube controllers? Up, yeah, I have one GameCube controller adapter. Oh, okay. Uh, so we'll be using some some combination of like Wii remotes and Pro controllers and GameCube controllers. Sweet. Um, I'm sure some people will complain being like, hey man, you beat me because I wasn't using a GameCube controller. So I have a feeling like I'll be using a Pro Controller. Get good, people. Yep, that's that's the way I look at it. Uh, uh, so but, I mean, playing with a GameCube controller is great. Yeah. Like, it's the way the game's meant to be played in a way. As as much as some people are kind of annoyed that it's like the GameCube controller won't die, like, it's just so natural to play Smash with that. I agree. I, I thought it was, I liked playing uh, Melee at uh, PAX East. A lot better yeah. than Brawl, because, you know, Brawl has the classic controller, which is great, but it's not the same. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so you could tell, use GameCube controllers That's true, Brawl, you but. could. So, tell me about the Amiibos. Are you having any interest 
fun with those at all or are they just kind of sitting there um well so far i haven't gotten super deep with it um i guess i guess a little inside baseball uh the there was a wii u system update this week that i, I think people might oh i should get that might, yeah i mean people people that have people that pay attention to this you probably heard that there was a wii u system update and in the patch notes it said that it like added an interface on the system so you can kind of like look at amiibos on a system level ah um so when I first got the game, I suddenly put the amiibo on, and then I wondered when I stopped playing the game why it froze. Oh! <laughs> and then I realized by kind of some troubleshooting that whenever I used an amiibo in the game, like the amiibo seemed to work fine. You know, my my Link amiibo is up to like level thirty now, and I've oh, been damn. having a lot of fun with them. His name's Linkles. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, like it, it is kind of fun to like then you feed them stuff and make them better. Uh, it is kind of like a little bit of like that character customization, but like giving it a little more of a personality because yeah. you get to kind of interact with it. And I actually have done a couple matches where it's me and my Link Amiibo teaming up to fight some fools. Um, and I think there's a lot of potential to be had, like people that are fortunate enough to have friends nearby that all have the game. You know, if people have Amiibos, then you can have some pretty fun like multiplayer battles there, especially because you can do, uh, you know four teams of two fighting each other at once. Yeah. Um, but because of that, I haven't really had a lot of time to dive into the Amiibo stuff since that update went live. Cause I kind of just stopped messing around with them once I realized that the game just froze. Right. Um, whenever I played it. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't messed around with it too much since, but I do have, I have a Mario and a Kirby and a Link Amiibo hmm. that I will be messing with a lot over the next couple days. But whether it's a little bit the collector in me, but after seeing them in game, like it's enough of a hook for me that I'll be buying a bunch of them. Oh, wow. All right. Um, probably only characters that I like. Well, um, yeah. yeah. So like, I probably won't get what Diddy Kong or something. I'm not going to get Diddy Kong, but like, I'm going to get Marth. I'm going to get little Mac. Yeah. Like, those are things that are going to happen. Villager. Yeah. I'll get villager. I might get Wii Fit trainer just for the lulls. Huh. Um, and then when, you know, I'll get, I'll get Shulk, I'll get Samus, I'll get Fox. Like, I'm, I'm going to get a bunch of them, but. I'm waiting for not, Z Zero Suit Samus, which I still, mean, I, I think, still has I think not every, been announced. I think every figure is going to happen. It better happen. Or every character in the game is going to get a figure. I think it's just a matter of time. As long as Smash Brothers does not completely crash and burn, which doesn't seem likely. Um, I imagine by this time next year, you will have your pick of every single figure, if not sooner than that. I think I read right now. I think they'll have they have more than half the roster. Yeah. is going to have figures by February. I, I read somewhere today that uh, the Smash Bros. pre-orders have eclipsed Mario Kart Eight by now. Yeah, and which apparently, is cool. like the people have been saying that it's like double what Mario Kart Eight. Oh is, which God, is absurd! Wow. Um, but I also, I mean, maybe maybe Mario Kart Eight that there wasn't as much of a drive for pre-orders. I don't really know how yeah. they track all of that. Um, and you can preload Smash Brothers on your Wii U if you have the yeah. hard drive space, which I believe I don't. it's about sixteen and a half gigs. Yeah, I don't have that space. Um, that's half the half the good hard drive. <laughs> that's more than that, actually, because you don't have. Yeah, you don't have the full uh, thirty-two. Yeah, yeah. I think it's only like twenty-three or something yeah. available to you. But yeah, I mean, I like Amiibos. It's still there is kind of a limit to what you can do with them, and it very much is kind of a superfluous thing. Um, but it's, I mean. I've been having fun with it, and that's yeah. kind of like, that's a success to me. So, the other thing I want to ask about is, uh, whatever, the, the board game, the board game mode. What is Smash that? Smash Tour? What is um, that? Is it Mario one, Party? I, I, I think if I were to compare Smash Run to Smash Tour, I think that Smash Run is better. 
which is yeah. kind of funny because I think we were on the show like a month ago, and you didn't me like being it. like, man, whatever they have would we use gotta be better than Smash Run, <laughs> but like Smash Run kind of grew on me more after that. Oh yeah, I love it. Um, because well, at least let's put it this way: I've so far, and I'll be playing a lot more because, like I said, I'm gonna have a bunch of people over this weekend. Yeah, but I did. Uh, I played Smash Tour. Uh, you have to do it with four people, whether or not Aww. you have computer players or not. Um, so it's not like four human people. Like I, I played it a couple times where it's just me and the computers. Yeah. Um, but it is this kind of like this fast paced Mario party game where each, each person picks a me and then you move around a board, but like everybody moves at the same time. Hmm. And I, I mean, we have, we have video up on the YouTube channel that I think puts us into words better, uh, yeah. pictures, pictures. Better. Um, but basically everyone, you know, they have, they have a, a spinner. And then they can move from one to six and then they move on the board and they're trying to collect powers like the, the ability power ups and other other fighters uh, kind of like Smashboard in that regard. Except for in this one, you have your me character and you were collecting other fighters that then you can use. So oh. they're almost like lives. I see. Um, and you can do it, I think, anywhere from 15 to 25 turns. There's three different size boards. There's a small, medium and large. Um. And you're moving around, and you're collecting these different items. You get trophies that you can use as like kind of like a boosters uh, and buffs for the the fights that you occasionally have, or when you're on the board. Okay. Like one of them is like a it's an excite bike guy, and it'll give you double your roll. Like stickers. Um, there's other like ones. Stickers and brawl. Yes, and there's other ones where it's like, oh, you'll start with a with a with a super scope on the, on this this battle, and okay. how you do the battles is that. When two characters run into each other on the map, then they then they everybody fights. I see. Um, and yeah, your goal is to just you know power up power up your your character and collect as many fighters as possible, and then you have a final match where basically it's everybody's like. I think I had a match where I was playing the computer where it was like I had like eight fighters and the other ones had like two. Oh, so okay. Very clearly was going to win, but I think it's also like. I think the way it gets scored is something like, okay, I have those eight fighters, but if someone were to just like take me to task with all of them, then they would probably win because I think they get a point for every kill they get against me. Gotcha. And I would get a point for every like kill I get and every fighter that I have that survives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a neat little mode, but when I played it with humans, uh, we were kind of bored halfway through. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is that, you could go several turns without anybody running into each other. Oh. So you're just kind of playing this board game simultaneously where you're not really interacting. Yeah, that's not um, great. And in, in all honesty, like, not to quite the extent of how bad Mario Kart 8 battle mode is, um, but it kind of reminded me of that and that it's like, when it works, it's really fun. Yeah. But it's not going to work every time. Yeah. I, I do wonder why they didn't, I mean, Smash Run on Wii U sounds really great. Yeah. Like a bigger map, looks better, you can Split see screen. things more, you know. I, I wonder why they didn't put that in. Um, I don't know. And probably honestly, that... you'd probably have four human players around more often yeah. with with Wii U. Yep. Whatever. And then the, the, the couple other modes, like uh, event mode is in there, and I like what they did with event mode. It's not just a linear list. Like... Uh, um, I mean, they showed it in videos, but it's basically like you start off with one event, you beat that event, then like other paths open up. Oh, okay. Um, and then like, you know, depending on how you beat, when you beat events or when you unlock different characters, then different paths open up. 
And these are like challenges, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. they're like the event modes that were in Brawl and Melee. Oh, was that in Melee? I don't remember that yeah. at all. And it was in Brawl, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah but it's the, it's the stuff where it's like, oh, you're Mario. Beat uh, Bowser and Donkey Kong. Yeah, I remember that. Or, okay, yeah. Or like they have they have one that's, I think, one of my personal favorites so far, which is uh, it's a, kind of a, a play at Four Swords, where it's it's four Toon Links fighting each other. And like the, like the flavor text going into the event is just like, oh, they're here to save the day, dot, dot, dot. Oh, they're fighting again. <laughs> and then you have to play as a Toon Link and beat the other Toon Links. Oh, that's funny. Um, I mean, that's really fun. The classic mode, which like, I don't know. I feel like there's a way to do classic mode a little better because yeah. it is very, very similar to uh, to how they have it set up on the 3DS version, except for instead of having like that, like that map that you're walking on. Yeah, there's like this tabletop grid where there's like different groups of enemies and you oh, move, I saw that. You yeah. move your, your like trophy character that you are to these different groups and then you'll go into different battles. Um, and like, if you let some, some enemies sit there for a while, then they'll get stronger. And like, it's a neat idea, but I just, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's fun. And it's, once again, it's kind of like going through classic mode. You can kind of do it pretty quickly, but it's just something that I, I wasn't as crazy into. I recently beat classic with all the characters. Um, I never want to touch that mode again. Yeah. Uh, but you and- might have to, if you want to <laughs> unlock everything in Wii U. Oh yeah, I mean on 3DS I'll never touch it on yeah. 3DS, but on, yeah. I'm now I'm going through All Star and I really hate All Star mode. Yeah, uh, it takes I mean, so fucking long. All Star mode and in All Star mode, the worst is when like you get to the end and you're like, ah, crap. Yeah, um, I think the only difference is that like uh, the recover area is is prettier on the Wii U version, <laughs> and I it goes so. instead of going from oldest to newest, it goes newest to oldest. Oh wow, okay. Um, so All Star mode's basically the same. Yeah. Uh, one of the other new modes is uh, Master Orders and Crazy Orders, yeah. um, which are basically just these kind of like challenge things. Uh, if you do Master Orders, it's kind of like pick a character, you know, play a challenge, and like maybe you'll get a reward or something. Oh. With Crazy Orders, it's like you need to spend gold or get crazy passes or something. Um, and then you basically play as many challenges as you can. And then kind of cash out and then fight Crazy Hand. Oh, okay. Um, so it's kind of like you're building up. And I think it's like, you know, the longer you go, uh, the more the more rewards you'll get. Right. But if you lose, then you lose everything. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it's like all these kind of like, it's, it's like the 3DS version in the way that you have all these different things that like, oh, okay, I got bored with classic mode. Okay, I'm going to try Master Orders. Yeah. Like there's just all these things that you can bounce around between and that's... I'm playing it in a very similar way to how I played the 3DS version, where like, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to look at the challenge board and being like, all right, so if I go to if I get this, if I use Charizard in home run contest, then I'll uh, get the challenge square. Okay, that's that's leading me. Okay, if I beat classic mode at above five intensity with this character, then I'll unlock something else. Mm. Um, and I'm kind of just bouncing around like that yeah. that way. And I like event mode a lot. I think event mode so far is my favorite part of the game. Okay. At least the single player component. I mean, of course, at the end of the day, Smash and a player Smash is going to be the bread and butter. Sure. Um, one thing to note: uh, I don't think online is going to be ready by the review embargo. Really? So, huh. um, I think. I mean, I think there's a chance that it could be up before then. The review embargo for people who are wondering is Wednesday, November nineteenth, and I believe I think it's either I think it's nine a.m. Pacific time, or it's okay. nine a.m. Eastern. I forget. 
uh, you will see something from us on that day. It just might not have a score at the end of it. Yeah. Because if, if if online isn't up and I don't get to test online, then I'm, then I ain't putting a score in that game. It'll no. probably be. We did a similar thing for Mario Golf World Tour. I remember where that. Yeah. I I basically put up a review and didn't give it a score, and then when I could test the online, then it was essentially that review with a few things tweaked about it. You did you did what Polygon should do. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I, I kind of mentioned that because with all this stuff with like the the review embargoes with Assassin's Creed Unity and stuff that I mean I guess people that are listening to this might not even follow as closely. Uh, long story short, uh, the new Assassin's Creed game had an embargo after the game was actually out in stores, right? And the game wasn't that good. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. There's something that bugs me that like when online's such a major component of a game, and this is the same thing with Mario Golf. You saw a lot of people just throw up reviews with the score without ever playing the online. True. And I got a big problem with that. And this is as someone who, to be completely honest, I'm going to play the online for the review and probably never play it again. Uh, yeah. Whether the online's great or awesome, I just don't really play games online. That Me much. neither. Me but neither. it's a very integral part of that review because I know that there, I know that there are people that probably won't buy the Wii U version if the online's not good. Right. Um, and that I, I can't answer that for you yet, but I will. And I'm I'm pretty hopeful. Um, I think the 3DS version runs smooth enough. Like, yeah. There's definitely some hiccups, but I think if you, you know, the Wii U is a better online system. We hope. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty if, if it runs well, good, I, I can see us doing, like, even a, a Smash Night, NWR Smash Night for a while. Dude, if we could do tournaments. Like, like, like we did with Mario Kart for a while. Yeah, yeah, and, and Mario Golf. Um, and Mario Golf. That, yeah, that's kind of the, that's the one big unknown so far. Actually, um, by the time you hear this, the Mario Kart DLC will be out, and you can buy it and play it, which I will I be will, doing. I will probably play it for about an hour and a half, and then play <laughs> it. Never touch it I again. I can't help but be a troll about it, because I know that that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I mean, I probably well, will, probably, too. I'll probably, because uh, I can record some video, because I have Amiibos, so I can do the oh, Amiibo yeah. thing with that. And we're, like, we're restricted in how much we can record, um, but I'll, I'll be pushing that to the limit. I'll have fun with that, and I'll play the new tracks. Um, I'm really excited for him, but like, I don't know, it'll be like how I played Mario Kart 8, where like, I, I played it, enjoyed it, wrote a review that everyone hated me for, and then, yeah. and then stopped playing it. Kind of was done with it, Which, yeah. to be, I mean, kind of going back to that, like, that was my worry with Mario Kart, that's kind <sighs> of the reason why I was a little negative on it. Yeah. Um, was that, I played it, and I realized that like, I'm probably never gonna play this. I mean, I haven't, I haven't touched it since the Mercedes-Benz DLC came out, honestly. Yeah, I, I, uh. I think we saw like the the Excite Bike track or something, and it got me to to turn it on and actually buy the DLC. Oh. And I, da- I downloaded the update that got the Mercedes Benz track, and I went and played a Grand Prix, rocked one of the Mercedes Benz things, played as a colored Yoshi, um, and then turned it off halfway through because I'm just like, yeah, okay, that was cool. Yeah, I'll play the I'll play the new tracks when they come out. But yeah, it just I mean, I, I I hear people that are still playing Mario Kart Eight pretty regularly, and that's awesome. Um, I'm. I'm, I'm not, not that guy. Yeah. Before well, before turning it on for the for the the update, I hadn't played it since June. And, <laughs> I, and I, that might have been the time I, where I was playing it online with people and because I couldn't talk to people during the race, I fucking oh fell asleep my gosh, right? in the middle of a race. Wow. It was it, well and also like I guess you know what? Uh, uh Scott's not going to edit this episode, but I'm going to crap on him a little bit because he would always be hosting online matches and there would be like four people in the race and he wouldn't add computers. Oh. So you just have this empty match, 
So oh, it'd geez. be like 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 you kind of like each person would slot in, and those tracks are designed for twelve people. Yeah. So I would just like be like, "There's no one near me. I'm just basically going on a on a, on a track and turning every now and then." Yeah. And there was one time where I fell asleep. It wasn't that long, but I, I notably dozed off, and my car drove off a cliff. <laughs> I woke up. I was like, huh, huh, "All right, I gotta go to bed after this." <laughs> um, well, let's let's switch gears to yeah. uh, the Demon's game. Um, you've been playing Demon's Crest, and it yeah. seems like, unlike the rest of the world, you're not as high on it, and that that worries well, me as someone who bought Demon's Crest about a day before he got Smash Brothers in the mail for review, and then didn't hasn't touched Demon's Crest. It's really hard to get into. Um, nothing is explained. Uh, uh, let me first say it's a really gorgeous game. It's it's maybe one of the best looking Super Nintendo games. Um, I'm not really high on the soundtrack. It's very slow, slow and gothic, which is appropriate. But yeah, I um, thought the music was nice. But it was on the spoiler. It was on the radio trivia segment of the yep, telethon yep. that I was on, and that music seemed really cool. And it kind of made me hype to play the game. Yeah, um, but. You know, it's it's not directed in the way that a game like Mega Man X is, or even the Gargoyles Quest games. Um, you're constantly going back to levels like, what the heck did I just miss? There, there are four levels in the game when you open it up. The first level, you never have to revisit. Like, it's just the intro stage. I don't even know yeah. why they let you revisit it. But the other three, uh, you have to explore the hell out of to find items, which is cool in a, in a sense, but you also have to find the other levels like other levels will open up as you uh complete these these first three levels which is again awesome but also you have no idea that's happening yeah uh so the game is just not directed at all and and the items are not particularly useful like you get a an item that a tornado that says uh lets you uh climb higher or climb walls or something. I thought, well, that's cool. But I tried to climb a wall after I stuck to it and nothing happened. I thought, what what, what am I doing wrong? And I, then I noticed he's actually spitting out little tornadoes. I thought, well, maybe you have to jump into the tornado that he spits out and they act like a platform. Oh, okay. uh, so that's not explained. But after you get the Falcon Gargoyle transformation, you never have to use the tornado power again. So you kind of, it's like a, I mean, I know it's a little bit Metroid styled, but it's Metroid styled in a way that like the items kind of stack and replace each other as opposed to building this wild array of weapons. Yes. Like once you get Which a trans... terrible. No, but... it's not terrible, but it just kind of renders all the uh, work you did to get the tornado power moot, yeah. you know? Like that was uh, the one thing that I mean, just kind of comparing it to a game that we actually we we talked about on the show a couple months ago, Euphoria. Yeah, that was one thing that kind of made me really happy about that game is it seemed like every power up that you got was very meaningful. Yes, and that was a, that was kind and of a short romp. It stayed was, meaningful. Yeah, like you, it wasn't like oh, you got this ability, you have to use this in this one spot. Like no, it opened up the entire game. Right. Um, and it seems like in Demon's Crest, maybe a little bit, it's like. You know, okay, you use this in this specific area, and then you move on. Right. And if Demon's Crest had more of a Metroid, a Super Metroid map, I think it would be more forgivable. Yeah. But as it is, it's they're, they're very distinct levels. Each level has a boss and an optional boss, and you'll and and the most useful things you find are empty bottles, which you use to uh, fill with potions at a shop, cool. and uh, spell scrolls, which you buy. 
from, you know, you buy the spell once you found the spell scroll uh, from a shop and and the potions refill your hearts and the spell scrolls generally do damage to enemies. Uh, you know, the, the aside from the, uh, the fact that it's very obtuse, I don't like how slowly it moves. Um, I mean, that was kind of a problem with Gargoyle's Quest. Yeah, and, and I was hoping they'd make it a little faster paced here, but not only does he move slowly, he spits fireballs slowly, and he flies slowly, and I, I don't know, it just, it's a very slow-moving game. I, yeah. yeah. Which it's, isn't bad. I mean, I kind of uh, like that, that contemplative platformer. I mean, I'm also a person to those mutant muds. Which yeah, but I it's think, not it's not that kind of thing. That, that Demon's Crest inspired him a little bit, or maybe, really? maybe that was for Treasure Knots. Oh. I don't know. I could be making stuff up. But it's not. You don't have to be super careful if you found a lot of hearts. Yeah. You know, it's not contemplative or contemplative. Sorry, so much as slow. Yeah. You know, and and maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, spoiled by. Sp- Fast games like Super Metroid and Mega Man X, uh, but it's, it's hard. I found this. I mean, I mean, that's the thing is like I, I thought you were going to kind of rattle off modern games, but Super Metroid and Mega Man X were contemporaries. They Demon's came Quest. out the same year. Yeah, yeah. I think Demon's they were Quest all in ninety. They were all in ninety four, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's like the Mega Man X team was not talking to the Demon's Crest team and vice <laughs> versa, uh, but it does have a Mega Man X kind of boss progression where each boss falls to a specific weapon or form much easier than other weapons. Cool. It is I cool. Mean, um, I'm still I'm still really anxious to play this game and uh, I mean ever it's it's good. I, I don't yeah. want to say it's a bad game. It's a good game. It's just maybe it's not It's a little obtuse. It might be the kind of game that you bust open and walk through if you get stuck. Yes. Because, you must do that. Yeah. I mean it seems like the kind of thing that like yeah, you know, back in 94 Maybe beating your head against a wall was a little more favorable. Um, but yeah, but I'm we, I'm 32 years old. old I have other things to do. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, and I know someone's gonna get mad when I said spoiled old men, and I'm, I'm the <laughs> baby. Uh, but I think that I mean my, the game. The game I think is that my good gameplay it's... style at this point is is of an old man who doesn't have a lot of time because yeah. I'm a man who doesn't have a lot of time whether yeah. whether I'm young or old. It's like the game is is great, but it's not like as legendary as I went in. Yeah. Thinking it was. A lot of that kind of, like, that feeling kind of makes me think of how I felt when I finally played DuckTales. Really? Because um, I didn't play, like, I played a lot of other Disney games. Like, Quackshot was my was my token Disney game from the early 90s that I was like, you haven't played Quackshot? You're crazy. It's the best. The music's awesome. Yeah. Like, that's, when, when I heard people talk about DuckTales, I'm like, is it as good as Quackshot? And... <laughs> In my opinion, like, after, play, what the hell is Quackshot? after playing the original DuckTales on NES, I don't think DuckTales is as good as Quackshot. Wow. <laughs> um, I think that, I mean, Quackshot is, is oddly enough a very similar game. It's It has a very similar design to DuckTales. I just like Quackshot more. Um, that's not to say, I think DuckTales' soundtrack is actually better than Quackshot's. Because, yeah. I mean, The Moon is one of the best songs in a video game ever. Yes. Um. But I think it was kind of the same sort of thing as, you know, I was someone who didn't play it back when it came out in, like, 1990 or 91 or whatever. Yeah. So when I finally played it, and, like, I think I got it in, like, 2008 or something. And I finally played it. I'm like, well, that was cool, but, like, that's that's what everyone's been talking about for 15 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I do um, wonder that might be the same it... thing that you're running into with Demon's Crest. Because for me, whenever I heard about Demon's Crest, it would be like in hushed voices. I'd be <laughs> like, oh my god, it's so good. It's never yeah. going to come out on Virtual Console, though. Yeah. Um, and now it's finally out. It's probably, I mean, there, there's a lot of games that have come out that were re-released. That like I, I think Knights is one of them. Um, you know, maybe even Earthbound to an extent. Although I think Earthbound yeah. is, is actually way better. It holds up way, way better than I a lot have of these other games. So many problems with that damn game. I mean, like, and, and like, it, it is hard to go back and play Earthbound, but I, th- I think the writing in Earthbound makes it. That's stand true. Out. It is a very charming game. Yeah, like, I, if the combat's not that great, it's no. interesting and it works in that world. But, but anyway, um, yeah, I'm actually more time. excited to go back to Gargoyles Two now because I'm going to play that through. Cool. Uh, because I actually. I got that too. I haven't. This is this is gonna sound terrible, but I like Gargoyles Quest more than Demon's Crest. I really, really like Gargoyles Quest on Game Boy. It's so cute and and easy to get into. Like that that fucking game blew me away. I did not expect it to be that good. No, and that was one of the ones that I heard in hushed tones, like, "Oh, you've never played Gargoyles Quest. You should play Gargoyles Quest." And I played Gargoyles Quest, and I then I started talking about it in hushed tones. Yeah, telling other people like, "Oh, you haven't played it. You should play it. It's on your 3ds. Go get it." Yeah, um, and I didn't even know there was a sequel until they announced it. Yeah, I mean, I knew that there was a sequel, but I was like, "Ah, it's never going to come out of Virtual Console." Yeah, but it is, and it's yep. there. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, it, you should. Everyone should. I mean, honestly, everybody should play Demon's Crest because it's it's gorgeous. It's so good looking, um, and. You know, if you have a hard time getting into it like I did, read a fact. It's it's not sacrilege. Yeah. That's what I should have done. I actually restarted the game three times because I kept thinking, I must be doing something wrong. <laughs> I hate <laughs> this what, game. Like, What's wrong I, with me? I have a little bit of an apprehension um, about playing it because that's what I keep on hearing. Is that like, it's like once everyone was kind of like, oh my God, it's out. Then like the next week I started seeing people on Twitter be like, hey, if you're having trouble, like here's a, here's a hint. Right. I'm like, oh, oh, it's one of those games. Yeah. Um. So I guess let's let's close this out. Um, All right. Talk first about off, some... I'm I'm gonna talk a little bit about a game called Whoa Dave. Whoa. Uh, Whoa Dave. It's, I've it's, heard of uh, this. It's by Choice Provisions, the uh, the the gang formerly known as Gaijin Games. Oh. Um. Although I think Gaijin Games is still a thing. It's just a part of them. Like they they're still putting out picture. I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah. But it's uh by Jason Cirillo. Primarily, uh, RoboTube is what he used to go by. Mm. Um, so it's not necessarily like these same dudes who made Runner Two, although it is that same company. Yeah. Um, I've been enjoying Whoa, Dave. It's kind of a goofy arcade game that might be at five dollars if you're not into an arcade game that seems steep. Um, because it's just a high score game. There is one mode that is it. It's a brawler, uh, right? It kind of is. It's like you play this guy who can jump around and pick up items and then like there's aliens or something and they hatch from eggs and if you like kind of let the aliens go to the bottom of the stage and then they like evolve oh but then you get more money when you kill them and the way that you kill them is by throwing bombs or eggs into them so risk reward yeah and then you want to get the most the most money you can possible oh um that's kind of fun i figured i'd mention that that's like a game that i've been playing yeah. Um, but to finish up, let's talk about the, the real hotness, which is fantasy life. Oh my gosh. Um, I think when last you heard me and Zach on a podcast, like Connectivity, uh, we were talking about fantasy life, but Zach hadn't played it yet. I got and it Zach, at the Target sale. 
So I what got, do you think? I got Bayonetta. I got Bayonetta and uh, Kirby, which I beat. And Kirby is super charming, by the way. Isn't and Triple Deluxe, Triple Deluxe. If you have not played that, I think that's, that is one of my favorite Kirby games. Might be ever. the best Kirby game after Adventure for me. And and I mean, I'm I'm the I'm the buffoon who gave Kirby's Epic Yarn a ten out of ten, and I stand yeah. by that ten out of ten. Um, and it's almost a good thing I didn't have to review Triple Deluxe because that would have been <laughs> a serious question. Uh, uh, I I was blown away by Triple Deluxe. Like I kind of got it just because I was like, oh, it's a Kirby game. I'll have fun with it. I yeah. didn't really like the. I didn't like Return to Dreamland as much. Um, Mass Attack was cute, um, but I hadn't really gotten into deep into like a, you know a a real quote unquote real Kirby game in a long time. Um, if you don't count Epic Yarn as a real Kirby game, which I could hear an argument for, um, but Triple Deluxe is just like it's basically like the Fire Emblem Awakening of Kirby games, <laughs> where it's like this game that's like it's not it's not technically like an anniversary game, but it's kind of an anniversary game yeah. because it just reflects on the series as a whole. Like you have the keychains that you get that are all these awesome throwbacks to old, to old levels. Those are so cute. And old games. Um, and then it just kind of like even I love the level where like you basically like pull off the background and then it just shows an yes. old Game Boy stage. And there's yes. a lot of stuff like that that just really made me smile. Um, yeah. And all the new power ups are great. I love the the ninja one, or the archer. The archer is the really yeah. cool one. Um. And it's just, it's so much fun. And they use 3D in awesome ways. Yeah, they really do. Maybe the best usage yeah. I mean, like in that's, a first-party game. When, when people, 3D land. Yeah, when people are like, oh, man, why do they have all these 2D platformers out on 3DS if people complain about that? I'm like, because all the 2D platformers should be like Kirby. Yeah. Because it just uses such a good good depth of field. And that's, yeah, a, that's the thing that I thought Mutant Muds did very well as well. True, true. It's that it's a similar kind of thing. You're going back and forth between planes of the of the stage. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so uh, Kirby's great. You should play it. But Fantasy Life, I'm only two two and a half hours in. But oh my gosh, it's like I'm going to play this for the rest of the year. Or, am, or it's only I'm November. A, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not that long. It's not that. It's not <laughs> that bold of a statement. Right. <laughs> I mean, I might be still playing it for the rest of the year, and I'm fifty hours in. Fifty five. Yeah, hours that's in. crazy. That's, that's a bit of a bold statement. Yeah. Um I I am completely head over heels in love with Fantasy Life and I was already pretty in love with it when I wrote the review. Um and I just kept on playing more of it. The writing is so good. Yeah. It's um, so good. I like I basically it's gotten to the point with the writing that like I I hunted down the people at the treehouse. Well no no, you don't have to hunt them down. You say something positive about Fantasy Life on Twitter and then <laughs> those dudes will favorite it. Nice. And you're like, "Okay, those are the guys who wrote <laughs> who translated Fantasy Life." Yeah. Um, and then I started following them, and they just retweet people saying good things about fantasy life. <laughs> um, and, like, like cute screenshots of it and stuff. Like, it's pretty great. It's, like, my own little fantasy life feed. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, yeah, the writing's, like, hysterical. In, yeah. a, in a way that, and, like, this is a game with so much text that it's almost dumb. Yeah, especially when you're playing through that main story, it's where it's more than most RPGs. What I love about the main story is that yes, there is a part of it where like the main story is super slow and plotting. The writing's really, really funny though. Yeah, but like it keeps on setting you up where it's like you're gonna have to fight this dragon. You're gonna have to fight it. Oh no! <laughs> like just like go beat up that stone. You're yeah. not gonna. I mean, you'll you'll kill the dragon later because you've got to get master class in uh and you know being a mercenary or whatever or paladin. Uh, but you don't need to actually fight this dragon. And it's like, you go to all these different areas and it's like, they're building up to these huge boss fights. 
And they're just like, nah, man, we just had a prank war. <laughs> the it's thing like, that the we thing just that just that tickles me is that I started out as a, a lumberjack or a woodcutter. I started off as a tailor, and that was a dumb idea. Oh, really? Because I was like, oh, I'll do one of the weird ones. And then I wound up reading later that, like, the tailor is one of the hardest ones to start off as. jeez. Oh, well, I just, I just love that, like, you, you get experience from chopping down trees. I, like, you and, get experience doing everything. It's awesome. I know you do. You, you get experience by running. Yeah. And, and like, you chop down trees and you sell the trees. And then every once in a while you come across an elder tree. Yep. And you chop that down and get a whole bunch of wood. And, and you get a bounty. A ton and you of take experience. It back to and the a bounty. bounty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just so funny. And then, like, you know, I've been, I was avoiding monsters for a while, but then I remembered I have a knife and I can kind of defend myself. So yeah. I've been doing that and getting experience. It's just so, you know, and, and now I'm at a point where somebody said, well, you have to try another job to open up this area of the map. I'm like, all right. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go do that. But it's just like, the whole town, the whole castle town is like, there's so much to do. Yeah. Once you, once you have jobs, I can just tell there's, there's an infinite amount of content. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm 55 hours, 55 hours into the game and I see no end in sight. Yeah. Like I have, I have a lot of, like, I guess I, I think they go up to, to like God class or something, but I think you might only be able to get that if you have, if you buy the DLC. Oh, but, okay. like, I'm at Master in a lot of them. I haven't gotten anything past Master yet. Um, but I intend to. I've just been kind of utilitarian. And yeah. that, like, I'll get one to Master and then switch over to another one. And I think I have this, everything. Everything is is either Master or the step below Master. This is, like, this is going to be Dragon Quest Nine for me. Because I'm, you could switch jobs in that game, too. And I did all the time. Well, I'm sure you know that this, I mean, this is made by... Yeah, it's level five, yeah. Yeah, it's the same people. And actually... This is fantasy life is kind it of what looks they like Dragon, Dragon Quest Nine. They, this is supposedly what they originally pitched to Square for Dragon Quest Nine. Really? And I think it was actually got under development a little bit, and then oh, wow. when Square revealed it, the fans in Japan revolted because it was too far off a regular Dragon Quest. Oh, interesting. So then they kind of went in the direction that they did for Nine, and then yeah. I mean, because I think Fantasy Life was supposed to be a DS game. Oh, okay. Um, and I think it just kind of got pushed back a little bit because I think it came out in Japan in 2012. Yeah, it looks a little, I mean, I don't want to say it looks bad, but it doesn't look like the character models especially look a little DS-y. Yeah. No. But, but like that, I mean, it's fine. Like, it's it charming. Fine. It's, it's in a charming oh, man. way. Okay. So not, not to spoil anything, but when you become master levels, they play a concert for you. Oh my gosh. It's, it's like the best. And like, do you in have every any... job, yeah. Oh, jeez. Do you, Do you have any pets yet? Oh no, but they can, I, they can go fight with you. That's going to be the next next so thing I've got, I I've get. I've got two little cats. They're fighting. Oh with me. man, you can have more than one. Yeah, I think oh, you get baby. a three. I haven't gotten the third ah. one yet. Because you get ah. bliss, and then you can get different yeah. things. And the first thing I... That I got was like, well, I want a cat. <laughs> and then I have two cats in real life, so I do get a second cat. Oh my gosh. Can you name the cats? Yes. They're named, after, oh my my, they're named after my cats in real life. Wow. Um, I have to play more of this game yeah, right I, now. <laughs> I, I adore fantasy life so much. Like, I'm probably going to get off this call and go play fantasy life until I go to sleep. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't really play any other games. Like, to be completely honest. <laughs> Smash? It, like, I mean, you Smash, play Smash because you Smash had to. I'm playing out of obligation. <laughs> I don't think I'd be playing it if, 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 like, <laughs> if this was just like, oh, Smash came out today. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. 
Yeah. Um, I'm fine with fantasy life. That's funny. I don't have any friends locally that have it yet, though. That would probably make it worse because well, it has, does that would be my outlet to play player? Smash. Would be like, oh, I got some friends over. I'll play Smash. Be sociable. If they all have Fantasy Life, I just keep on playing Fantasy Life. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. It's so good. Yep. Like I don't. It's like kind of after Shovel Knight, where I felt like all of their games were bullshit because Shovel Knight was so good. Oh my gosh. Um. But like, I don't dude, know. Shovel Knight. But see, Shovel Knight ended. It's gonna be a hard Fantasy Life hasn't ended yet. It's going to be a hard top five this year. Yeah, it's going to be fun because I've actually I've uh, we'll finish up after this, but I've actually been keeping a list uh, <laughs> the entire year, a personal list. And whenever I play a new game, I like sort it in there and like I'll look at it every now and then and rearrange stuff. Good man, I'm keeping I should a top twenty five. Oh geez, of all the games that I've played this year, it's been a bloodbath. There are games that have like gotten down to fifteen that I'm like any other year this could be a top five game easily. Yeah. But it's, it's a good like, year. It's a really good year. I would say that there is no dominant game this year. That's the one thing. Like, there's no game where it's like, oh, yeah, that's going to be on everyone's list. Except for, I think, for a lot of a Shovel Knight. Like, True. I think, I think for a certain sect of NWR staffers, Shovel Knight is, like, Going to be in the top five, yeah. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll be completely honest. I, I don't think there's a snowball chance in hell that anything dethrones Shovel Knight for me. Yeah. But Maybe right, after that, well. right after that, mm. there was probably, there were at least five games off the top of my head that if I was like, this is my number two game of the year, like I wouldn't fight that much about it's it. A, it's going to be a fight for me between Shovel Knight and Risky. Oh, I still haven't even played that. Oh, dude, that's so not good. even on my list yet. I, I, have oh, a, man. I have a note at the bottom of my list that's like games to play. <laughs> um, and like I still got to play more Bravely Default. I was loving the crap out of that too. Um, and then like Sports Friends came out this year, Towerfall. Oh yeah. I mean, granted, that's Nintendo, but right. But still, Towerfall's so good. Yeah. Towerfall's right. getting an expansion. But, yeah, okay, really? we're not even talking about Nintendo games. All anymore. right. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Thanks for listening. See y'all at PAX East. <laughs> oh yes. That is happening. We'll we'll talk more. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>